0: Hey friend, if you're an Email Templates 101 owner, be sure to log in and check out the 2024 updates and brand new templates in your course.
1: You'll find a new active listing seller check-in template as well as a new offer delivery template for your sellers. Plus lots of fine tuning to the other existing
0: templates. Don't have Email Templates 101 yet? Grab yours now at hustlehumblypodcast.com courses.
1: There are plenty of seasoned agents out there making us look bad. Oh. Honestly, think my bossiness is sometimes what has made me good in this field. Yeah. And I understand that every day that my seller comes home, they see my picture in oh, the yard, right. and they're
0: like, "It's her fault." Smiling face. It's not right there selling. In the yard. It's not
1: selling. I feel like realtors post a lot about how much they drink and socialize. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't know. What's a generic name? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Joe Smith. Hi, y'all. Welcome to Hustle Humbly. It's Alyssa and Katie, and we are two top producing realtors in the Baton Rouge market. We work for two different companies where we should be competitors, but we have chosen community over competition. The goal of our podcast is to encourage you to find your own way in business.
0: So stop comparing yourself and start embracing your strengths. Okay, hi Alyssa. Hi hey, Katie. It's episode 206. Okay. We're just a little bit rusty today. <laughs> like we're going to trying to knock the dust off. We took yeah. a week off of recording. Um we are going to talk today about why agents get a bad reputation. Yeah. I feel like I should have played. There's so much bad reputation music. <laughs> like surely there's a Taylor Swift song we could have pulled out from the <laughs> Reputation album maybe. But why? Why does it happen? Mm, We're going to talk about it. So many reasons. Do you want me to start off with the message we received? Yeah, I think it was very helpful. Okay. I did not write down the previous professionalism episode, but it was called The Three P's of Professionalism, Mm -hmm. and it is so good that it is actually taught at the real estate school in Nebraska. Yeah. Like, they share it um, What Van... Van... Oh, I don't remember. Was was it Van Ed, something. Yeah, we're gonna have to look into that. But mm-hmm. there is a there is a real estate school that teaches that episode. So, um, point being, <laughs> we've talked about this before. But the actual mission of the podcast is bringing professionalism back to the realtor brand. Yes. So it's worth talking about repeatedly. It is. But here's the message that triggered us this time. This was actually a local person to us that we didn't know, but they did mention they were local. Your podcast is the highlight of my Monday commute. Show idea. (laughs) Why do agents get bad reps? I am a small-time investor, so I deal with a lot of agents. Typically, if I'm interested in seeing a property, I'll reach out to the seller's agent to get in. And if I like them, I'll use them as a dual agent. I'm not going to even talk about (laughs) my thoughts on this because... Look, everyone's entitled to do it however they want to. But obviously, this fella hasn't come across an agent so good that he wanted to keep them around. Right. And nobody
1: followed up enough to say. (laughs) Right. He's
0: obviously bought more than one home. Yeah. Or like
1: put him up on a search to say, hey, let me send you some other things. Happy to work with you again. Nobody.
0: No. Okay. We'll wait for the rest of it. No lie. 80% of the time, they are awful. I will want to buy the property and can't get them to answer a call, text, or email. I mean, he's tried it all. Right. Um, I would be so mad if I were selling and they were my agent. That's the part that is like, "Mm, mm -hmm." Mm mm-hmm. I was recently interested in a listing next door to my parents and told the listing agent as soon as it came up. (laughs) She gleefully told me the next day when I reached out again because she didn't follow up with him. That it sold in four hours. She was so happy about it. He was like, uh, uh, he wanted to put in an offer. Right. right? Like, he, so, he could have bought it. Right. So that's the end of of our, our local friend. So yeah. look, he's literally talking about agents in our market. And he's not an agent. No. He's just a listener of the podcast. Right. Interested in real estate. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to help him out. And we're going to try and, and help you all out so that this is not you. Right. Please, I, the most important thing is that our listeners are never the ones who get this type of review. Yeah, never answer the call or the text or an email. I mean, like, oh, okay, how how do you want to? What do you want to talk? I mean, I ha- I know our notes on this topic are
1: so many because there are so many avenues where agents go wrong. And right. I think it all sort of starts with the fact that barrier to entry is very low. Yes. It is very easy to get your license. Right. So even when I served on our local board of directors at our monthly meetings, we would always have to approve mm-hmm. the long list of newly licensed people that wanted to join the board. Oh, okay. And then After that, we always had to vote to approve the longer list of people requesting to leave. Oh. So, like, when you stop being an agent and you want to no longer pay your dues, like, there's a a little bit of a process. So, I was – it wasn't until I served on our board and actually saw the influx, the outflux, the influx, the outflux that I went – Gosh, I just wish it was a little bit there was a little bit more that you had to do yeah. to get your license. And then you they would
0: be a little stickier. Yes. Like we don't want all that turn is what no is what makes it hard for the ones that stay to be viewed as professionals. Yes. And so a lot of times what we saw
1: too is that this influx of agents would quickly get their license, quickly do one or two deals with someone, right mess up the deal, <laughs> make a big mess, hurt the reputation of a realtor, and then quickly realize it wasn't worth the money, the time, and the hassle, and then they go back to their other job. Right. So they come in most of the time. They leave us to pick up the make pieces. Make a mess.
0: <laughs> leave us to pick up the pieces. Yeah. And then – And, you know, mm. that's always been one of the hardest things for me is the fact that in a way – you feel embarrassed to be a realtor because mm-hmm. the overall view in the public isn't good. So you don't, you know, you don't come into it feeling or especially after you've been in it long enough to see this, feeling super proud even though you know that you're good at what you do and that what you provide is valuable and like it took me a lot of years to actually Get past that and be able to say, I know what I do is valuable, and just mm-hmm. because the overall perception of this field is not so good doesn't mean I'm not so good. I'm doing right. a good job. Mm-hmm. What did you have to do to pr- approve them? It was just really like reading through a list.
1: Yeah, I think that the um, like committee at the board that handles that had already done things like background checks. Okay. and made sure that they, they met did, their qualifications. Yeah, that they and we're just there to approve and vote them in. Okay, so we I wasn't involved in the committee that actually approved people but you approved everyone
0: pretty much i think i mean like you're like okay yes 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 because
1: i think to get your license you have to meet certain qualifications so if you've passed the exam legally yes Mm -hmm. if you have passed the exam you're pretty much in okay um so it's it's not difficult you know and i think that new agents sometimes want to rush into money Yeah. And not the education and the training aspect of it. And so that can come off as tough too. Yeah. Um, It's just there's, and it's not all new. It's not all new agents. Okay. And there are plenty of seasoned agents out there making
0: us look bad. Right. Um, That it's shocking that they would and probably don't have repeat business, but just keep bringing in leads, however, they got those and Mm -hmm. just keep. Keep up with the bad behavior because they don't see the value in doing a good job in order to have repeat referral business. Right. That's why we preach that. Mm-hmm. Like, if you do a good job, this career should get easier and easier the more transactions you do right. because you'll have repeat refer- referral business. Mm-hmm. When I Googled why, why do agents get a bad reputation? This is what the Google machine told me. Oh, gosh. It said most agents don't have enough experience and never gain enough experience to develop into a true professional. I would agree with that. And it's especially hard. And if you're new, I know this is a struggle when so many agents are getting into the business. We peaked at 1.6 million realtors in 2022. The number is going down now in 2023. But that's still, I think what I read was, oh, God, maybe 20 years ago, early 2000s, there were 900,000 agents. Yeah, so that's a big jump. It's a big, like there have- an, a Almost lot, doubled. A lot of agents have been added into the system over time. And so it, look, the only way that you can get experience is to actually do transactions. Mm-hmm. And if there are more agents and it's spread out by more people, it does get a little bit tricky. Mm-hmm. But the agents that are producing are still producing. Yeah. So I think you can get experience. I can remember
1: um, when- People are talking about, you know, is there going to be a recession, 2023 coming up and all this stuff. And I went to a few of the agents that have been in the business since like the 70s and 80s that are still working. Right. That I highly respect. And I'm like, tell me, you have been through it all. Right. Like, is there anything I need to know? And she said, you will be fine. Right. If you sell each year. Houses. And you have experience you are going to be fine. you are not the one that will in fact you may flourish right because people are scared yeah and when the public is scared they don't they want someone they that can trust they can trust that has experience that they see as a hard worker right So it's kind of a weeding out time yeah even re- recession or not if if people are nervous, They're going to start reaching out to those that are consistently there. I think that social media can give newer agents a false sense of security. Yeah. I hear a lot from new agents. Well, I've posted on my social media that I'm a new agent and that I'm here to sell. And like, you know, I'm just not growing my business. And I said, I know that you think everybody sees that. But hardly anyone sees it. And even if they see it. They don't really care. They want to see that you're touring a house, that you're holding an open house, and right. not that you're doing it once. They want to start seeing a trend here that you're right. working. Whoa. And so just, right. it, you, you have to work. You have to go put yourself out there in situations right. to gain the reputation. So, but what I have found, I, I heard someone say this, is that you you have a friend that has a job, a regular corporate job. They announce on social media, I'm a realtor, blah, blah, blah. And then three months later, they're back at their corporate job. So you really have to sort of prove yourself right? as are you going to be
0: here long term? It's a fine line because you do want to let your people know what you're doing or else how will you become successful? So Mm -hmm. we're not saying don't tell people and then see what happens, Mm -hmm. but maybe – Do the work. Mm -hmm. Like, you've got to do the work. I also wanted to say, I didn't fully agree with the you can't be professional if you don't have experience line of thinking. There's a lot of things that we teach on the podcast that if you just do the parts of the process the best that you can in a professional manner, by what we've told you from our experience, you will be fine. Mm -hmm. You don't have to do 10 transactions in order to be a professional. You can do transaction number one very professionally as referenced by how many messages we get about the email templates. Mm -hmm. And the lender will say, you're a new agent. I can't believe this. This is the most professional email I've ever received. Or the other agent doing the transaction with them, the co-op is like, I would have had no idea you were brand new, right? So there is a way to cut through all the trial and error and you not having the experience, but you have to take the advice you're being given from your mentor or your broker or this podcast and actually apply it Mm -hmm. to when you finally do have that transaction. Yeah, absolutely. So, so important.
1: Whenever I was newer and I was helping my good friend by his first home. And I did not have a lot of experience. And I think I've even shared the story on one of the previous episodes, but his dad was not super happy about him working with me because they had like an older family realtor that had been in the business for years and years. And that, but he was like, no, dad, like I want to use my friend. Yeah. Well, sure enough, dad was there, all the showings, you know, Giving me side judging you. giving me side messages. Right. He was a super smart person, oh, very yeah. engineer-brained, mm-hmm. would say things like, Did you know you can go on this website and find this information? And I just had to be like, I didn't know that. Thank you so much for sharing. That's very helpful. Um, and and so after the closing, I wrote him a letter, mm-hmm. the dad, thanking him for all of his help. Right. All of his wisdom um, and expertise, you know, throughout the transaction and that I was so happy that his son found a good home. Y'all, when I tell you that dad called me two months later and I sold him a camp. Uh, Two years later after that, we sold the camp and he bought a bigger camp. He has referred so much business to me. And if I had to think of one person that's my biggest referrer, it would be this dad that I thought... Would
0: never approve of me. Right. But you were humbled in that you were like, you know what? Instead of me trying to pretend like I know it all, I'll just be like, wow, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. I've learned so much from you, sir. Yes. yes, And I did. I, right. Not just actual knowledge, but
1: just how to handle, you right. know, difficult situations or yeah. being pressed for <sighs> – answers when you don't have them you know know, i really did learn a lot through that very uncomfortable transaction and now i'm so and now he'll call me and say right hey what do i do about this flood insurance like like, he's seeking advice from me and i'm like wow
0: this is great we've come a long way we have come a long way in 10 years no (laughs) doubt um okay should we go through a list what kind of list (laughs) of the things that that we're doing that causes agents to get a bad reputation sure the unprofessional behavior are you just going to run through them or well okay first of all forbes this is sad and i and i didn't want to tell you but i'm going to tell you the forbes magazine says that under the least respected professionals realtors are ranked number 23rd Mm. there's a few above you but i mean think about all the professions in the world yeah we're in the top 25 there's lots of them that aren't on this list at all (sighs) Okay, and then I found a nice little quickie, three reasons why agents get a bad reputation. Okay. Um, Number one was descriptions. So saying that a house is immaculate when it's actually dirty. Saying that a house is updated when it's actually 50 years old. Like Mm -hmm. using descriptions for things that are not the truth when the buyer gets there or altering photos or, Mm -hmm. you know, doing these things that would almost be considered false advertising yes they're gonna see it eventually like Mm -hmm. we're not trying to trick people into buying houses but that kind of is the vibe that the public gets when they're like i don't know if i can believe the photos i don't know if i can believe the description i keep reading this and then i show up and that's not even true i've been to houses that said there were four bedrooms and there were three yeah I've been to houses that set all kinds of things. I'm like, well, right here in black and white, it says this. I can't even trust you. And then it's not. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was interesting that descriptions fell under that list. So on a mom note, Mm -hmm. it was so
1: funny because like Haven used to love blueberries. Okay. And then one day she's like, I don't like blueberries anymore. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, like how come? And, you know, we go back and forth, back and forth. She's like, you know, I can't trust them. I'm like, what? You're like, they're blueberries. They're blueberries. And she's like, yeah, they look good. But you don't know until you put them in your mouth. (laughs) Are they sweet or are they sour? Sometimes they're delicious and sometimes they're not. And now I don't trust them anymore and I'm not even going to eat the sweet ones. She's like, I'm done. And I'm like, that's kind of how realtors are. It's fair. Sometimes, you know, the listing is accurate and sometimes it's not. And instead of giving the good ones a chance, she just...
0: So is not going to want any
1: none not taking any anymore you
0: can't trick me if i'm not even I in the game i don't trust you you blueberry oh my god <laughs> so true it's so true trust issues oh my god number 2 and this one is the one we can probably stay on all day communication mm-hmm. the number one easiest way to be a professional and get a, that a good reputation is to simply answer your phone, answer a text, respond to an email right away. No, but maybe within a respectable amount of time. Yeah. Most of these people who are complaining about communication never got a response. Right. Not a day later or two days later. It doesn't have to be we're work 24-7. I will answer you at 10 p.m. But if I can't answer you at the next business day and I never answer you, How many times have you reached out to an agent with a question about their listing and they literally never answer?
1: Oh, so many times.
0: I couldn't even keep count. Yeah. Are they trying to sell the property? (laughs) I don't feel like. I feel like they tricked a seller into letting them have their listing Mm -hmm. and then they just checked out. And then you have the flip side, okay? So you have the ones that, like, don't communicate, you can't reach them, and then you have the
1: ones that buy billboards to say, <laughs> 24-7, call me.
0: Please don't. 24 that makes us look bad, too. I wish that we, we need to call some of these people and see what their <laughs> response time is. I'll be like, it's two in the morning, you said.
1: Wouldn't it be fun if we, like, <laughs> prank called those
0: people? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we could
1: do it and share hey, the I audio. Heard that you work
0: twenty four seven. I I I was busy during normal business hours, and I just was up, and I couldn't stop thinking about your listing. Yeah, it's I'm a, two a.m. I work
1: night shift, so it's two a.m. I, I was so glad to see you're available twenty four seven. That'll you, fit my schedule. Can
0: you send me a CMA right now? Yeah,
1: our, it would be fun to like call. <laughs> until they answer like, okay, this is the 13th time we've called your number and you leave voicemails. Said, hey, is this the 24 seven realtor? That's what you said. And I know it's 3am, but I'm just, I, I saw you. I'm a you, night owl. Yeah. I saw you were open. <laughs> so I just wanted to call and leave you a bunch of messages until uh, you
0: answered. I, you know, when you set up your Facebook business or your Google business profile, it asks for business hours. Yes. And there were a lot of agents that put in 24-7. I'm like, don't do it. That's not true. <laughs> mm-hmm. And
1: if it is, please don't. You know, in the Hustle Humbly community, we created our Google business accounts. Mm-hmm. So we went through and did a project together where we all set up our accounts. And mm-hmm. you know what I, it does, Google does, that I didn't know that I love? What? It'll say, hey, there's an upcoming holiday. Do you need to edit your business hours? Oh, yeah. uh-huh. And I'm like, yes. You're right. I will. I should. Thank you, Google that's Business. That's what
0: restaurants do. That's what offices.
1: all businesses
0: do do you're a business you're a business Mm -hmm. and we need to run it like a business it's okay hours uh no doubt okay while we're on the communication topic i also don't like when you literally cannot get an agent on the phone if you want to they only text Mm -hmm. like i'm okay with my clients having a communication preference but if i need to talk something out with an agent or I would like an e like in your case, you would prefer them to email. You're going to lose a text like when they will only text, and the text are like the so whole long. screen. I'm like this should, should be a call or an yeah. email. I, there is a limit to what a professional text. I don't know that there is necessarily a need for texting, right? Like, yeah. can't we go in a more professional route? But if you you text, that's fine. I text with work, that's okay. But you can't force me to like. If we have a problem and we
1: need to discuss something, let's pick up the phone, talk right? it out. I think hearing someone's
0: voice. It can solve a lot of problems. 100%. Right? Because you put whatever tone you want on a text or an email. I was just
1: um, negotiating multiple offers on a listing that I have. And it was really close because we had a cash offer that was a little bit lower. Okay. And then we had a financed offer that went over list price by a good bit. What did you choose? So I was really on the fence. I wasn't super comfortable with the pre-approval letter because it was a lender from out of state. And so I sent the, from the email template package, the questions that we sent to the lender. Hey, I've received an offer. I have these questions, okay? She called me, the lender did, immediately mm-hmm. and was like, hey, I just wanted to introduce myself. I I know I'm an out-of-state lender. I know these buyers personally, which is why they're using me. Okay. We do have a branch in your marketplace, so you don't have to worry about us not having local appraisers. Okay. When I tell you these people are solid, like she just... We chose them.
0: <gasps> I love that. We did. But and her phone call.
1: her If she would have just responded and said, yep, everything looks good. You might have been like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, but is it worth the risk? She sold me. And I told her that. Like, after we, I sent her the accepted contract, I said, I just want to let you know, and your realtor, the buyer's realtor, I want to let both of y'all know that this lender's phone call saved the deal. Like, yeah. that's why we chose you. She answered all my questions. And I, she's been great. That's
0: perfect i'm so happy examples of this abound yeah where a phone call made a difference on the communication aspect of it i had several
1: notes that so many realtors are they don't want to mess up the deal or lose a client by being too pushy yeah and on a communication issue there is that they are not explaining how fees work. Mm-hmm. They're not guiding their buyers through the pre-approval process and explaining to them right. closing costs and what's really needed. They don't. And like how many. You should never get to the closing table and a seller be surprised that they're paying you. Uh,
0: No. It happens. It happens. Yes. I don't understand. <laughs> I know. Mm-hmm. A lot of these topics make my head feel like it's going to explode. <laughs> I so it's really hard for me to like get through it, respect. I'm like, look, people make mistakes. I get it. But like you cannot, you cannot take a listing without a net sheet. Right. If you can't tell a seller that they have closing costs that they have to pay to cancel their mortgage and get the title work done and all that are associated to them, if you can't tell them what your commission is, you have no business taking that listing. Mm-hmm. They should know what their approximate net is the moment you take the listing. Yes. And then you can redo it when they get an offer based on the offer.
1: I have gotten to where, so I think we have that net sheet in the one of the templates. it is. But I have gotten to where I go back to that template and copy and paste it and include it every time I'm delivering an offer. Yeah. Like I just use it all the time because I want to have documentation I, I that leave, we have been over this. Right, and
0: I leave nothing to chance on a net because a lot of times people get hung up on the little details like well this is less than our list price and I'm like, "Yeah, but when we talked about your net, we allowed for $5,000 to negotiate. Mm-hmm. They're only asking for 3. You're making more money than when we when we took the listing and they're mm-hmm. like, oh. Right. Okay, great. Yeah. But you have to have you have to have the previous one to be able to be like, "Look, this is what we talked about before mm-hmm. and here's what we're getting."
1: We talk a lot about this in episode 113, Be the Boss. Oh, yeah. So we usually let the clients tell us what to do. Right. I don't operate that way. I I honestly think my bossiness is sometimes what has made me good in this field. Yeah. (laughs) Is that I want to take control of the situation guide you through the process, Mm -hmm. explain everything to you, let you know that I'm going to handle everything because that's in my nature. But so many times... As realtors, the buyers will send us 10 houses and we say, "Yeah, okay, I guess we better go see all of these nope. instead of saying, hey, I checked the property disclosures right. on all 10. Here are my notes on all 10 properties you have sent me. Based off of this, I think we should see these three or four. Yeah. Um, that will save them time. It will save you time. And it just adds to your credibility. But so many times we are nervous to give them any negative feedback
0: because we don't want to because we're so hungry for the business. Mm-hmm. I, that's it's hand in hand. If you're not going to be honest and give them the real truth, then then they're going to later on they're going to find out and they're going to have a bad feeling about you. Okay, so speaking of that, I was reading an article
1: this morning. Okay. It was like on um one of the news sites that I follow. Okay. That right now in 2023, buyer's remorse is on the rise. Right. So they were kind of saying that they rushed to buy these houses, probably overpaid a little bit the last few years. Yeah. Feel like they're stuck now mm. because interest rates are so low, mm. and now everything else is so expensive.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: a lot of times they are blaming their realtor. Yeah. They feel like the realtor did not take the time to explain the process. Yeah. Explain um, what the due diligence period is about. Yeah. I think that the due diligence episode that we did somewhat recently would be really good for you right. to go back and listen to because that is our time to make sure the buyer is comfortable yeah. with their decision. Yeah. Um. And when people have buyer's remorse, they don't want to look within and blame themselves. They no, want to point the fingers. You. Yes, they want to point the fingers. And the realtor is the first in line. The same thing happens with a seller. I mean, as we have kind of entered this market shift, I have a few listings that are sitting right now mm-hmm. that are not, you know, selling in 24 hours like yeah. they were the last two years. Right. And I understand that every day that my seller comes home, they see my picture in their yard. <laughs> right. And they're like, it's her fault. It's not right there in yard. selling. It's not selling. And I always say that my goal more than anything, more than selling the house, my goal is to treat them in a way that if it expires or if they fire me and they ever switch agents, that they realize what they had. Right. I want them to be like, dang, at least when we had Alyssa, we heard from her. Right. She was doing things. Mm -hmm. She was always working and keeping in touch with us. And so with communication, when we get scared – If the house isn't selling, we stop calling. Yeah. And they don't hear from us. And and we can't do that. We have to. My goal is always to call them before they call me. Yeah. It works most of the time. Right. Mm
0: -hmm. It works most of the time. (laughs) Yes. Okay. The last one from our list of three on this article I found was buying a listing. And it goes hand in hand with what you just said. If you don't tell the seller what the actual value of their home is and you let them set the price and you just say yes because you want the listing, Mm -hmm. this isn't – you're headed down a road that is – going to be a disaster. It's not going to sell. It's definitely not going to sell for that price. They're going to fire you. You're just going to expire. Something's going to happen to where at the end of it, they're like, you were terrible. You mm-hmm. didn't sell my house. But in the beginning, if you would have said that's about 10,000 high or 20,000 high, or you're 100,000 off of where you need to be and they priced it correctly, it probably would have sold. Yeah. And you have to shoulder that burden. You cannot sell an overpriced listing. No without a seller that's gonna end up unhappy. Cause at some point you're gonna have to take a lower offer, change the price, it doesn't sell at all. But either way, I like that they called that buying a listing, mm. when you just tell a seller, oh no, you don't need to stage that. You don't need to, whatever price you think, sure, that sounds good. Like you have to, you have to be the professional. That's a good point. You're like basically
1: lying to get the listing, you're buying it. Yeah. Oh man. I'll just. Well, I'll tell you whatever you wanna hear. We have some exciting news that we wanted to share with you. So exciting. In November the 14th through the 16th, we will be at the NAR Expo in Anaheim, California.
0: It's like right across the street from Disneyland. Did you
1: know that? That's amazing. It's pretty cool. And we have a booth. We're going to have a whole booth where you can come see us. Booth number 245. So come see us and say hi and record a toast that
0: will be aired on the episode in your own voice. That's can you person. imagine? It's going to be so fun. I can't wait to hear all of the toast. So we can't wait to see you there and you can go get your tickets at NARNXT.realtor. See you there. Bye.
1: I'm the second listing agent on a house right now, and they had started off way too high. And they were kind of stuck on that number. And I said, listen, I understand that you had it there, but it should have never been there in the first place. I would have never taken the listing right. at that number. So I'm kind of having to work backwards with helping. You're having to undo the damage done. I am. I am. How much difference is it when you listed it?
0: It was about
1: a we did we listed it 40,000 under.
0: 40,000 and that's a tough pill to swallow as a seller and it's not selling right now even at the
1: no. So we're about to have some more conversations. I have a few other things I'm doing to work on that, but it's just hard because I they are they have <laughs> anger and frustration from agent I know. number 1. And so mm-hmm. I am taking the brunt of a lot of that, even right. though I'm working very hard and I'm communicating and I know what I'm doing. And that's where it goes back to me having to set emotional boundaries and yeah. be like, that's okay. I understand you're frustrated. I'm going to keep doing my job, though. And right. I sleep at night. Because you are doing your because job. Because I am doing my job. Mm-hmm. The nights that I have trouble sleeping is when I'm like, <gasps> I should have called that person. Yeah. I I didn't call them today and I needed to. We need to discuss this. But when I do what I know I'm supposed to do, mm-hmm. even if the client is unhappy, if I know that I did what I was supposed to do, it doesn't affect me. Right. I'm I can still keep my confidence. Yeah. I wrote down episode 146, which is our confidence episode. Oh, great. So I feel like for this episode, mm-hmm. the three P's of professionalism. Oh, which is
0: number 23.
1: 23. Okay. Be the boss, mm-hmm. 113.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the confidence episode, 146. Yeah. They all go hand in hand. So if you feel like this is a topic that you're really struggling with, I would go back and listen to those this week.
0: Yeah. Get that mindset right. How you behave and what you do as far as work is how you show you're professional. Not mm-hmm. what you drive. No. No how you dress. It's not um, sharing your numbers all the time. Like, that doesn't tell people you're a professional. No. It may make you look a fancy business card, a special webs. None of these things make you a professional in the eyes of your client, because as soon as they start working with you, they're going to know. They will know. They're mm-hmm. going to know. Like, oh, well... It was, you looked like you were professional, but you actually aren't handling this in a professional manner. After we listed,
1: we never heard from you. Right. Or like buyers now are like, well, my realtor never sends me houses or my realtor doesn't, you know, vet things with me. So one of the things that I had wanted to touch on, because it came up a lot, is that realtors lose credibility because they make it all about them. Yes. Like how many times do you see a flashy dressed realtor giving a video house tour but yeah. the camera is on them the entire time and not the house right. <laughs> like <laughs> totally. okay let's let's make it about the product but we want our faces everywhere and how we right. dress
0: and uh, again just be careful because you be are careful. your brand and you are your business so you can't be hidden like you need to be there but you're right what is the motivation? How did that help your client or how was that helping your future clients? Mm-hmm. Like, what is the service you're providing by being the only one in the video and you didn't actually see the house or right. like, is it self-serving or is it actually a value add to your possible client or your audience? I mean, it oh, is fi- it is hard because it's a fine line. Mm-hmm. You want to be there and you want to provide value, but it's not all about you. No. It's about them Mm -hmm. and what are you doing to help them? Yeah, I just, I think the problem is that realtors get a bad reputation because the ones that are flashy are so flashy. Yes. You know what I mean? Like there's so many of us that are hustling humbly. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But the ones that are, it's just like anything with social media, especially the people who talk about things are loud, but the people who maybe are doing the work are busy and are quiet, but you're going to have to like, and if Check you looked yourself. at the bank
1: accounts of each of these people, you would see a huge difference.
0: Well, right. It is expensive to be fancy. It is. And and to have all of the bells and the whistles and the flashiness. And if
1: you let your service speak for you, the income will come and you
0: won't have to sh- dish it all out to get flashy right. appearances. Yeah. I, I, hand in hand with that, I, the, I think another reason – and. Realtors are glamorizing the business. And Mm -hmm. that's why we get a bad reputation because the public's like, looks like fun. That seems easy. Oh, there you are selling another luxury property while you eat, you know, hors d'oeuvres and drink champagne on your broker tour.
1: Well, that's another thing, too. I feel like realtors post a lot about how much they drink and
0: socialize. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And it's like, man, realtors, they're just always having a cocktail. Yeah, but you know, the good ones are also sweeping up cockroaches. Yeah. But they don't post that. You know what I mean? Like the good ones have to go into stinky houses. Mm -hmm. But uh, it made me think of like um, our friend Amy Cotney, who's been on the show, who posts a million trillion reels and TikToks. But she will tell you, today I'm sweeping. Yes. Like today I'm sweaty because I had to paint this thing that my client didn't do. Like I had to pull the trash cans in. I had to pull weeds. Yeah. I had I have can I have rolled so many trash cans to so many places mm-hmm. but no one you have to share that part too so that also the public's like wow like you really are you're working, like yes. you're doing some stuff. You're not just out having hors d'oeuvres and champagne. Right. You're rolling up a trash can. It's yeah. okay to have a mix of these things. But if you only focus on what looks good and glamorous, that's why we get a bad reputation. So I share this next story, not because
1: I think if you drive a luxury car, anything is wrong with you. Okay. It's just a true story. That, <laughs> that You know, you hear something and it kind of like sticks in your head forever Let's and you like can't it. get it out. Okay. okay. I had a listing probably 3 years ago. Okay. And the husband, he was he was always someone that kind of intimidated me cuz he was very like dominant and okay. you know, wanted to kind of tell me, but I was kind of pushing back, but we we got along um but it was like a power struggle okay. at times. And of course, we get the house under contract and it was a not a great agent on the other side. Oh, no. And it just got messed up for no – like, I really feel like if it had been a better agent, those buyers would have worked the house. Okay. And when I had to call my seller to let him know Mm -hmm. that they were canceling and I didn't really have, like, a great reason for him, the first thing he said was, I knew the second that kid got out of his Mercedes in his suit that this was going to be a problem. So when he showed the house,
0: <laughs> oh no! Because like I mean,
1: people have cameras; they can see what you drive, what you wear, how you talk. They can hear you. They can hear. They can hear you. They can hear you on video surveillance. And I think that that has been a big thing. Yeah. With hurting realtors is that they hear that when the seller, when the buyers ask us questions, and sometimes you and the you answer. don't know, you don't know the answer to the things you should know the answers to. Right. But he said, "I just knew it. I just knew." this is not going to be good. And I was right. And I thought, I wonder if he would have been driving a Toyota if my seller would feel differently or if he would have presented himself differently. Who's to say? I know, but I'm not saying that's the right judgment. I'm just saying that that was what the public saw. That's what the public saw. That's what my seller felt. And the realtor that showed up and looking the part did not get the job done. So well, because you, you're probably
0: a little bit busier looking the part right. than learning the business. And it's okay to look the part. Yeah, but you also have
1: to but learn the business. You have to have the experience and humility
0: to do the training right. as well. Right. Right, right, right. Um, okay, while we're let's 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 talk about this one again because it, it bears repeating. The oversharing of your numbers and stop and take a moment and think what are the other professions that constantly tell you how much money they make? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, I honestly, I don't know that there are any that are like, this is how we value ourselves. But I feel like the public doesn't understand those numbers, especially if you start sharing volume numbers. I did $9 million in volume. Well, you didn't make $9 million. No, and I actually had,
1: (laughs) because our company shares our monthly stats for us on our company page. And I had like, this guy I used to work with at Raising Canes when I was sixteen, who's like, "Wow, you're a millionaire
0: now," and I was like, "No, no dude, no, that's no. not how this works," you know. But it's it's a it's a way to make you look fancy and important that isn't the public doesn't get it, and they also don't want to see it. And in and the worst case scenario, it turns them off and they don't want to work with you. I, you know, I see flip sides to both of this. Well, sure.
1: I feel like at times sharing your numbers or how many houses you sold shows how much
0: you are working. I love when people share and they say they've helped this many families or people or clients. There's never a reason why you need to say what the number was. Like you could say the number of transactions. Sure. There's never, you cannot convince me there's a way that you have to share your volume number in order for you to be valuable.
1: No, I don't believe I don't it. think
0: that that's what makes you valuable.
1: But what's the point of sharing it? It does show your success. Enneagram what's 3 here. the point? Enneagram 3 here. Right, That is right. proud
0: of my accomplishments. But okay, tell me for the public's perspective, what what is the, for them to gain from that? Whenever our
1: company shares our numbers, I get a plethora of of texts or messages or when I share my year-end review. Sure, I love my year-end get it, end review. But it has my volume on there, but it doesn't need it.
0: But I like I it there, it, that's I about, like
1: it there. You can
0: put it there, <laughs> but I am telling you, as the public looks at it and as an agent who's never been at the top of their office, and I don't like it, it doesn't, make, it doesn't make me feel good as an agent looking at other agents.
1: I do, I will say that at the year-end review, I do get some messages from agents that are like, "Dang, like, I wish I could do, do it? how did you do it? Right. I wish I could do what you do." And I think it opens up for really good conversation. Well, that's good. I think that it has allowed me to really ask them some questions, <laughs> sure. give some guidance and encouragement. Right. Um, and but here's what, here's why I think I'm okay with sharing mine is because I know that they're true. I know that they're not deceiving. I know that I, Alyssa Jenkins, sold that many houses. You should be
0: proud of what you've done.
1: I do That's have totally problems cool. when numbers are shared, but maybe not explained, and there it there does need to be a little asterisk, right? So, for example, as a solo agent, when I share my numbers, there is no asterisk that says Alyssa Jenkins is a team of five, and so this production, <laughs> blah blah blah. Like right. when I share what I did for the year as an Enneagram three and as my personality, I am driven by my numbers. I am driven. We're all driven by different things. Sure. Okay. So for me personally, I like to look at my year in review and be like, wow, look at this trend. And I like to track my numbers. I'm numbers driven. Okay. How it makes agents that don't sell as much feel bothers me not. Okay. Sure. It does show my I get other messages I get I can't tell you how many times a phone call starts with hey alyssa we need to sell our house and we know that you do a lot of business sure. we know that you sell a lot of homes we know that you do a lot of volume right okay so like and we like you so yeah. here you go but it starts that way for me a lot of times and our businesses are different so for me I think being able to handle the volume has always been something that has set me apart yeah because the volume doesn't stress me out like it It can stress out others for sure. It it, it's sort of like my unique thing that I don't know why I'm made this way, but I handle it better when it's heavy volume. If it's low volume, that's actually when I struggle and things slip through the cracks. Mm -hmm. So, as someone that you need the extra pressure, right? Right. So the numbers thing. I think, gives me credibility. It does set me apart. It shows that yeah. I'm different. And it does show that I'm in the top, which is something that I'm proud of. And I'm not afraid that's to say fine. that. You
0: can be proud of it. I think that's okay for you to be <laughs> proud of it. I just am... As a person who has struggled the entire 17 years I was in this business trying to convince myself it's okay to not be in the top, that will never make me feel good. Looking at your numbers as another agent is never going to make me be like, yeah, I can do it too because I don't actually want to do that. But it took me over Over 14 years, probably, to even feel that way. And so for 14 years, I felt pretty crappy. Yeah. I felt like, God, I'll never be that good. I'll never be the top of my office. I'll never have those kind of numbers. And sure, I would like to work. Like, it is definitely something that I think you'll never know the flip because you'll only get the messages from the people who either you have a good conversation with or who are proud or you'll get the clients who say, I saw this. You can't possibly know how many people saw it and said... That made me feel sad today. I would encourage, or that made and, and like, that's why I think this podcast is so
1: good. Yeah. Because if you, if my post of my success makes you feel sad, I don't think I'm the one that has a problem.
0: Sure, I think maybe. that it's the person. Yeah, and, and you're not responsible for how other people feel about what I you But I care post. about them. But as a business owner, you could check your numbers and be driven by your numbers without sharing them to the public. Sure. I mean, like, but I mean, it's possible. Forbes
1: ranks companies. Yes. Like companies are ranked. I think in real estate, it's a little bit different because of
0: the numbers. But I encourage because you. Because you're a person, not you are a business and you're a person. So it's harder because it's not like Coca-Cola. Right. It's it's less company vibe. It's more of I'm a person than I'm my business, right? Which makes me more proud. You should be. So I
1: think that if you are an agent that has struggled, and that's why I have loved that you have shared your struggles over the years because you have come to a place, and I think the podcast has helped – So many come to a place where you don't have to look at – you can look at other people's numbers and say, good for them.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Because my goal right now, my season of life right now – is I want to be a $4 million a year agent. Right. And I love that the podcast is helping spread the message that that's okay. That is okay. And that our goal, one of the biggest reasons we started this podcast is because you and I are so different. Yeah. And we operate differently. And you do so many things in your business that I'm like, I wish my brain worked that way to where... I I had that in my business but it doesn't work for me.
0: And I wish right. it did because I'm impressed by it and I Well, everyone runs their business differently. And that's that why
1: us being so different and seeing like you evolve into cutting back on real estate and like having your agent systems and like it really is about finding your own way in business. And I know y'all hear that every week when we do our intro, Mm -hmm. but like we are here to encourage you that no matter what your volume is, if you are proud of it, that's all that matters. Saying that, you know, an agent, me posting that I'm super proud of my $25 million year is fine. And it also gives you the right to say, I'm so proud that I sold 2 million dollars this year. Sure. I'm so excited. So discriminating against a high number versus a low number? No. I actually don't
0: like the behavior no matter the number. No matter the number. Well, I think as long I, as you're proud of it. But we're talking about why realtors get a bad reputation and what the public sees. And that's the only way I want to I'm not having a conversation about you should or shouldn't be proud or you What I'm saying is why do agents get a bad reputation? It's the behavior that the public sees, and they and like I said before, they don't understand it. They don't know a two million dollar in volume is or a twenty five million dollar in volume what that actually means in your but bank But I don't account. think
1: sharing numbers hurts the public.
0: I do. Why? Because I feel like it makes realtors look like they're more about the flashy part of that business. Like, look at me. Uh, okay, how much money does your dentist make? But they could say. But why? They don't need to tell you how much they make. Well, they don't have volume. Why? They have a number of of patients. I understand. I, this is what, every business has volume. Every business has revenue, whether it's a doctor, a lawyer, uh, you know, lawyers are a great example. Think about a personal injury lawyer, lawyer that puts the. Um, commercial on TV. And I got my clients $500,000. Right, right. I mean, like, how does that feel? Yeah. I guess it's just that's a deeper conversation. But the (laughs) point is, the point of this particular episode is, why do realtors get a bad reputation? I know. I'm kind of glad we divoted into this podcast therapy, though, because it's really just... (laughs) Because ultimately, I literally, as a human in the world, can't think of another profession where it is commonplace for them to share how much money they make. Well, here's the thing. I'm not posting on social media. This month I made
1: $65,000. I understand that by production, anybody can figure anything
0: out. That's why I would prefer you to say I did 50 transactions and helped 50 clients. Right. That's because it doesn't give it an automatic feeling that you're talking about money. As soon as you give it a volume number. It's the money that makes you feel icky. Anything it makes that the public feel icky. This isn't about me. I don't like it
1: for a and whole it's other hard reason. Because I have – sure, I'm sure there's public people that have maybe seen it and feel icky. I've just never – I get so much positive
0: feedback sure. that I don't get the and icky people, vibes. Because there are people that are proud of you and that are impressed yeah. by that. But again, And refer me can't, because of it. But you have no clue how many people saw it and were like, she's too busy for me or I don't like – That's the other, the flip of the coin is you can't know the people that don't tell you. But if they feel that way, we probably wouldn't be a good fit. Fine. That's totally fine. Yeah. That's totally fine. Yeah. The point is just what is the overall viewpoint of people seeing realtors? I
1: think that volume to me, sharing money volume, only gets icky when it isn't explained and needs to be explained. So, for example, when they say, you know, um... I don't know. What's a generic name? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Joe Smith. When Joe Smith sold $150 million last year, I think it is important for the public to understand that Joe Smith is a team of 20. Right. And that it is...
0: You know, divvied up so and that there are they members can of understand. The public that will want to work with Joe Smith because he's obviously selling a lot of real estate. And there are members of the public who won't want to work with Joe Smith because he seems like he's busy with selling a lot of real estate. Yeah, there are members of the public that don't care if Joe Smith shows up in a Mercedes and a suit and does what says whatever. And there are members of the public, that, but. The point is that realtors are ranked on a list that says they are a least respected profession. And the point is that that behavior is extremely commonplace. We talk about it in episode two, the culture of the real estate industry. Mm -hmm. The point is that every spring, every real estate company has an awards banquet and every We are so... The, it's the real estate column of the newspaper, right? Yeah. Here's all of the people who kept posting all this stuff in the real estate section, and the big joke was the only people reading the real estate section are other realtors. We have a very self-serving, um, and then maybe it's because there's so many of us, and maybe it's because it is competitive, and you know, it, it's just a little bit different. But it's not. I, I think it's something we should take stock in. Like, what is your behavior? How does the public see you? And if you want to know why realtors get a bad reputation, it's because they don't answer their phone and they right. tell us how much money they make and right. like it's a whole laundry list of reasons. Mm-hmm. But and how you
1: do things, I think, is important. I feel like I'm approachable enough that sure. no one would say I can't call her. She's too busy, or she she's too she's too uppity and expensive. She's not going to work with me. Like, right? I feel like. I can testify because I know what my DMs look like that that's not the case. No, you know, I don't think
0: it would be. Yeah. I'm not concerned about that at all for you. Like, this is by no means a personal attack on you ever sharing your volume number. It's not. I believe that your people do see your value because when you post your new listing or when it sells, you tell us the story and what you went through and what happened. But do I also think you could completely remove the volume share and just do what you do, all the other posts you do, and get the exact same results 1000%? Sure. But that's okay. You do whatever makes you comfortable in your business, <laughs> which will lead me to one of the other things that I think causes agents to get a bad reputation. And that's they're so desperate for clients that they pressure them. Yes. And they don't use my favorite word with clients, which is, wh- are you comfortable? What makes mm-hmm. you comfortable? Are you comfortable with selling your home? Are you mm-hmm. Do you know your goal? Are you comfortable buying this house? Mm-hmm. Like just in the market when it's busy, you don't get to control the comfort level completely, but you at least need to have the conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think when we're really desperate for those sales, that's when we get a, bad, a, rep, a very bad reputation. And that's when the buyers do have buyer's remorse, like mm-hmm. you're talking about. Like you're just like trying to push them along because I got to get this sale done. You know, like it, that, I think, is a big, a huge problem.
1: Yeah. And I think I noticed, too, in a lot of our Monday morning meetings at the office, I was always trained that we should be involved in making sure that they're comfortable with their monthly note. Yes, have a lender that you trust. But when I have a buyer that comes to me already pre-approved and says, hey, I'm pre-approved for two fifty, my first question is, awesome, how do you feel about that monthly note? Right. Well, I actually don't know what that monthly note is. Right. right. Like, oh, well, we need to make sure we understand our numbers before we go into any yeah. houses. Because the last thing I want to do is write an offer only to cancel during inspections because you didn't understand the money. You know, the worst
0: side of that would be the unprofessional agent who just like, 250 great, let's go buy it. And then they get all the way to closing and see their monthly note and they're freaking out. And yeah. they're just kind of like, oh, well, you said you wanted to buy it.
1: Yeah. We had a situation like that re- recently where a buyer tried to cancel towards the end because of the monthly note. <sighs> it's very frustrating. It is.
0: Okay, I also wanted to say I think another reason why they get a bad reputation is that they lose their clients time and money.
1: Mm.
0: So think about expired listings or mm-hmm. something, you know, they don't they don't sell, they don't be, their agent doesn't behave well. Whatever, the, just like when you pick up a listing from someone who already had it, If they've cost a a client time, especially money, what if they've moved and the house is vacant now? Like, that's money. That's time. This is how we get up. And then you are basically digging out of a hole, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you show up second, and you're like, I swear I'm a professional. I don't know how many times I've had to have this conversation. I promise you, I am sorry you had a bad experience with your last agent or your agent five years ago. Or. More often than not, the public has had a bad experience with a realtor. Sure. They didn't answer the phone. They didn't do the job they were supposed to do. They didn't, whatever it was, something terrible happened during a transaction years ago. They bought a house they hated. Like There's so many reasons why they're like, and maybe they want to blame a realtor. And maybe it really was their agent's fault for Mm -hmm. not really doing a good job. I've said many times in front of
1: clients, like, look, not all agents are created equal.
0: For and sure. And I apologize
1: on behalf of the
0: ones that are not doing a good right, job. Right. And look, not all dentists are created equal either. Right. But I think for some reason, we have too many bad apples. We do. And so you're, you're always trying to like apologize and make up for and like overcompensate for the bad agents. And mm-hmm. we just don't want our listeners to be the bad agents, right? We want them to be the good ones, and which means you are going to probably have to dig out of some holes, yeah, from the bad ones. But the more people that listen, and the more people that put professionalism on a pedestal in their yeah. business, are gonna—it's going to make a difference. You mm-hmm. know, it will make. Because I have clients now who would be like, "My agent was great," and I—I w- I don't have anything bad to say about realtors, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you, right. it works the reverse. Yeah, we just need more. It's always like that one bad apple. Yeah, ruins the whole batch. I mean, and they really do. Ooh. What is that? Oh, gosh, I don't want
1: to get it wrong. It said, um, <laughs> your thoughts are like the laundry I left that one black sock in the white load and it ruined the whole load. <laughs> oh, right.
0: Exactly. <laughs> the one bad thought can I mean, just ruin your because whole when thing. They, because when realtors do something wrong, it's so wrong. Yeah. You lost someone a house. You, like, it's big dollars, right? Like, it's a major mistake. It's like a legal bad, like something really bad could happen. Yeah. So I think that the the problems are really big. Uh, do you have any other things that realtors do to get a bad reputation? Um, I just think that the list could go on
1: and on and on i did want to cover that with the email templates using things like the buyer rules yeah um going back to having your systems and processes in place to where you are explaining to the buyer hey like now that we're in a relationship as a realtor and a buyer this is how this works I, i am your realtor and Being confident enough and being the boss enough to explain that process to them so that they understand not to call signs, not to click buttons to call you when (laughs) they have a house, you know, like I am your person. But we have to be confident enough to explain that to them. So just keeping up. I mean – so much of this, ninety percent of this, goes back to communication. Yeah, lack of communication. How you're communicating to the public, how you're guiding the buyer through a process. Mm-hmm. Are you communicating with the seller when a home doesn't sell? It's not about the sale. It's about how right. they were serviced through that experience. Yeah, for so, sure. I,
0: mm-hmm. Can you? There are agents who look at commission numbers and don't show houses with different. Commission, commissions. I know, like, which that is so blows slimy. My mind. So slimy. Like you, you shouldn't even look at it. Whether it's two hundred dollars or two thousand dollars, like you have to serve your client because if that's the house they want to see, that's the one you have to show. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's so many ways you can. I, my my number one note was this should be harder to talk about. Like, yeah, it, it yeah. should be like, oh, I can't really think of a whole episode worth of things you do wrong, right? But there's a lot of them. So many. There's so many. Hopefully
1: through the work of the podcast, it will get lower and lower. Look, our listeners for sure are going to be a- ahead of the curve for professionalism. Well, just the fact that they listen shows they want to improve. Yeah,
0: learn and get better. Learn and get better. <sighs> learn from other people's mistakes too. Yeah. Like, don't you don't have to make them. Oh, my. Are are you ready for a toast? Let's do a toast. Are, are you going to be mad at me when we hang up? I feel like we're going to hang up the phone and be like, I'm. You, you were rough on I'm me today. I'm not mad at all. Okay. I feel like you were rough on me. That's what I'm saying. I feel like I don't I wasn't trying to be rough on you. Just <laughs> want you to know, it's okay for you to share your volume if you're proud of it. I don't want to make you sad. I can't help that. <laughs> it doesn't make me sad anymore. If that makes you feel better. And
1: that's the journey we want to take people on. Right. It, it, to it doesn't make me sad anymore. Confidence. Like that, yeah. you do
0: you. That's great. You grew. But I still as the, as a very proud professional and that loves this profession, I would love for no one to ever share that. Okay. It's very because, interesting. Because I would prefer them to share the number. all the ways they were valuable to their clients and the number of people because people can have a high volume number and be really bad agents. For sure. So that is for not sure. an actual indicator for me that your clients were treated well, that you like provided You provide value to your clients. I have no doubt about that. You, Alyssa Jenkins, are doing a great job. But the fact that you have a high volume number does not in itself make you a professional, good, valuable agent who cares about – like, it just doesn't. Sure. So I would love for people to get more in the habit of being like, here are all of my good reviews. Yeah. That is a lovely way for you to be proud and share how you helped another person Mm. and get – That like social, like street cred, social proof, that to me, I would love for that to be the most common thing. I love reading reviews that people wrote about you. Yeah. I love reading reviews that people wrote about any agent. Sure. Because it also gives you a window into their business. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh man, Mm -hmm. you really took care of them. Look how you made these people feel. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, it's such a people business. It is. Okay. Are you ready for a toast? I'm ready. This one is from Christina Crow to Tara Deese. All right. She says, I would love to toast my fellow teammate, Tara Deese. We are both on the Laura Miller Edwards team at Keller Williams in Marietta, Georgia. Marietta. Mm -hmm. Tara introduced me to your podcast two years ago when I was a new agent and I have been hooked ever since. Every time I was in the car driving to a showing or appointment, I was listening to your lovely voices telling me how to improve my business. <laughs> Tara has been an essential part of my growth in my business as well. She was a fantastic mentor and resource in the beginning, and we are now accountability partners. That's so great. I love that. I am so blessed to have met Tara, and I'm thankful for the positive impact she has made in my business and every day as my friend. That's really sweet. Y'all write the That's sweetest posts. I so love sweet. them so much. So... Cheers to Tara and thank you to Christina. And y'all go out there and just be professional. Yeah, just be be professional. Just be professional. Mm -hmm. You'll make me so happy. Think about me (laughs) while you're being professional. Okay, goodbye. Bye.